0: or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, it is so great to be here. It goes without saying that at LifeGate Church in Omaha, Nebraska we love your pastors, Renata and David. They are favorites. Can you give it up for them? They were doing such a great job. Now, I've known David, I mean, for decades. He used to wear a bun. It was awesome, but ministry kind of wears on your hair, and uh, he's influenced my children. He's influenced the youth of LifeGate Church, and now the men and women in LifeGate Church. He's one of the favorites. Every single year, if we can get him, we try to do that, and I'm so proud of you as you follow his lead, follow Renata's lead, into a radiant future. The scripture says this, Even in darkness, the light dawns on those who are generous and compassionate and righteous. And that is who you are. I believe that with all of my heart. It's more than a vision for a campaign. Your future is radiant. And when you think about this, not only what you're facing as a city, but what we're facing as a world, the reality of war at a level we've never seen in our lifetime in the midst of Europe, you start to be tempted with, this is so dark, Lord. Is there any answer? And the answer is the radiance of the kingdom of God the radiance of the people of God, we shine best in darkness. Those things in Europe are temporary. They'll all pass away, but your radiance is going to increase further and further and further and further until we see Jesus face to face. When he talked about this campaign, I am so blown away that this figure that you have, $875,000, I don't know about you, but to anyone, that is a whole ton of money. And that this two-year campaign that you have, and the last stat that I have is that you're at 447 in five months. What is that? That is like crazy generous. You all are outrageously generous. And please realize this. The radiant future that you have is not first about bricks and mortar. It's about men and women, girls and boys, and their eternal transformation. I started thinking about this. We are the only organism or organization that sees eternal change in people. And so as you raise dollars, every single cent relates to the eternal life of people. And I can't wait to see not only the stones that you put in place, but the living stones that you are. The living stones who will transform Planet Earth. And I couldn't be more excited. I'm so proud of you. What I do on a daily basis, six days a week, one day I take off for Sabbath and I don't pray through my list. I say, Lord, I trust you and I just rest in your grace. But the other days I pray for you every day, every day. I pray for you that God would protect you, that He would use you, that He would grow you, that He would unify you, that He would fill you, that He would empower you. So if you feel like there's power coming out of the north, It's because I'm praying and lifting you up. And I mean this with all of my heart. I want to teach you from the Word of God. I believe this talk, of any that I ever have given or thought about, is the one that influences me more every single day of my life. And I pray this that it will change the way you think, it'll change the way that you see reality. And I hope that that is what the Holy Spirit will do. Spirit of the living God, you who wrote this word, would you, Lord, enliven it in our minds today, in our hearts today, that we forever, Lord, would make the right choice, the choice for Jesus in your mighty name. Amen. How many of you were here when I talked about I'm a river people? May I see your hands? Okay, a few of you. I'm a river, people, meaning there's a river of life that flows out of me. Jesus said, if you believe in me, rivers of living water will flow out of you. We start the Bible with four rivers. We end the Bible with the river of life that flows from the throne of God through the city of God. You can drink from this water. So the Bible is a river book. You see rivers all throughout it. Jesus is baptized in a river, and it's really a beautiful theme. But I want to focus today, this book is a book about trees. This is a tree book, not just because it's paper. It's a tree book. So when you start looking at this being a tree book, you see the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. And then as you progress, you see a burning bush, a burning tree, so to speak, with God in the midst of it. And then you see the bitter waters of Marah. And what Moses does, he takes a tree or a log and he throws it in and the bitterness is made pure and they can drink it. Then at the end of the book, remember the beginning of the book, two trees, the end of the book, we see the river of God that runs through the city of God. And on either side are 12 trees, the tree of life, their fruit and their leaves. Leaves are for the healing of the nations and for eternal life. And so today's message is about trees, but it's really not about trees. It's about trees as an object lesson. God is a good teacher, and he wants to teach us about life. And he uses something that's so essential to life on planet Earth. Without trees, we would die. When you study trees, they are our source of oxygen. We are dependent creatures. We are dependent on trees every single day of our life. And what we're gonna discover is that we have a choice with regard to trees every single moment of our entire life. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me. I'm going to Genesis, a very famous passage. You've probably read it before. This is chapter two. This is God explaining things to Adam. And it says in verse nine, and then the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground trees that were well-pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, in the middle of the garden, would you say that? In the middle of the garden, this is very, very important. In the middle were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Would you say that? Any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And so we have the beginning of the book, we have two trees, we have two worldviews, we have two choices. Now let me say that again, it's very important. These two trees Represent two worldviews. A worldview is how I see the world and relate to it. And two particular choices that God gives to his creation. The one tree is the tree of life. When you start thinking about this, you start thinking about walking in the life of Jesus and the flow of God and freedom and peace and forgiveness and, and this, this openness to life that is fruitful and meaningful and kind and loving loving, the kind of person you want to be around. You look at the definition of love in 1 Corinthians. It's patient. It's kind. It's long-suffering. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It doesn't do any of those things. It puts others first. It thinks the best. You think of unhindered relationship with God, where everything's open and everything's clean and anointing and power. And you think of the beauty of the childlikeness of so many of the children and youth who you see here. When you think of the tree of life, think of of Dawson Perkins, and just look at his face. Can you, can you imagine if we all were like Dawson Perkins, what kind of world it would be? If just this room were like Dawson Perkins, and you went out into the city, and you stayed that way, simple, childlike, quick to laugh, enjoying God, enjoying others, quick to forgive, unconditional love flowing out of you. Can you imagine this? And then you say, yeah, in your dreams. That's not the world I live in. That's an expression of the tree of life. What if you were to eat from this tree and continuously that's the kind of person you would be like? I'd be eating that every meal. Then you have the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the tree of the law. This is the tree of what's right and what's wrong. This is the tree of keeping a record of how things are done. This is the tree of you need to measure up. This is the tree of if you eat it, you will be nervous with God. You'll be nervous with others. You'll be in bondage. You'll compare. You'll judge. You'll add the errors I'm better. I'm taller. I'm faster. I'm smarter. You'll be afraid of saying the right thing or the wrong thing. Guilt and shame will come into your life. You'll show others when. They're wrong because that makes you more right and it produces death every single time. God's favorite tree is the tree of life, the tree He wanted us to avoid with all of our energy was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Now I'm gonna share some things that I want you to think about beyond this message and I actually urge you, watch this again because none of the messages we give do you see everything the first time that you watch or hear the message. Every movie I've ever seen a second time, I'm like, oh my goodness, they planned it the whole time. So I want to urge you, because I'm going to say some things you may disagree with me right now, but I think if you think deeper about them, you'll find yourself going, oh Lord Jesus. Did you know that God never intended you to have a firsthand knowledge of good and evil? Let me say it again. God never intended you to have a firsthand knowledge of what's good, an experiential knowledge of good and evil. You know what he intended you to have? Childlike trust. He intended you to be innocent, trusting, and childlike. Remember, the trees are an object lesson. They're trees, yes, but they're choices. They're two ways of living. They're in the middle of the garden, and God says this. I'm going to give you a choice to have all the trees and trust me, or to not trust me, and immediately, not only will you see good from evil, you'll start deciding what's good and deciding what's evil. Don't miss this. Every single choice in your entire life will be a choice to live either from the tree of life or to tr- live from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to break this down. Let me, let me, let me uh, give you an example. Someone walks in, and they're not very modest, okay? and you look at them and you say, boy, they're not very modest. I just can't can't believe that she would come to church like that, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Modesty, immodesty. They're not modest. They should be modest. You think they should be modest. Versus as they come in, you find yourself saying, I wonder who that person is. I just, I, I love that person. And I'm just so glad that they're here. Do you see the difference between the two of those? One is looking at these measurements. The other is looking at the love of God and loving them immediately. And what we're gonna see is this is played out in every single, it's being played out right now as you're watching me. It is. You're either seeing me after the spirit, the tree of life, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I didn't think he was that short. Short, tall, tall, short, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, so let's take a little closer look at this. On the one hand, the tree of death is the tree of trusting yourself. Every single choice where you trust yourself is the tree of death. The tree of life is trusting God on the other side. And we're going to contrast these as we as we progress. So this death tree is trusting yourself. And one of the greatest expressions of trusting ourselves is figuring things out. Now, figuring things out is not innately evil, but if it is the basis of your interpretation of planet Earth, it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil versus childlike trust on the other side. God is not interested in you figuring it out. God is interested in you to walk in his ways. God does not help those who help themselves. God is the one who is at the call of those who trust him. How do we see this? We see it so often without seeing it. We quote the scripture. We say we believe the scripture, but we don't live the scripture. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, nope, not figure it out, acknowledge him, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Instead, we gain knowledge, we try to figure it out, and then we might call on him, but God says this. I don't want you to trust yourself even when you think you're right, I want you to trust me. Trust in the Lord, His understanding. Luke chapter 10. Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven." At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and Earth, because you've hidden these things from get this, the wise." and the learned. Being wise isn't evil, being learned isn't evil, but if it's your basis, it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You have hidden these things from those who we think are wise and those who are learned, and you have revealed them to whom? Children. You've revealed them to children because children do what? They trust. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. God says through Jesus, unless you become like little children, dependent trusting, innocent. I'll give you an expression of innocence. When my son was four years old, I have a hard time, I don't know if some of you parents do, working with my hands and talking at the same time. And so I'm working with my hands, fixing something, and my little son, three or four, he was very verbose at that time, he's talking, 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 talking. And then my wife pulls up in the garage, can you help with the groceries? But I'm about to finish this, and he's talking, 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 talking. And I'm going to say a bad word right now, so get ready. And I said, Blake, would you just shut up? And it's like the planet stopped. Yeah. And his face fell. I never said that before to him. It just came out of me. Yeah. And I immediately got on the floor and I said, oh, son, son, would you please, please forgive me? Daddy, didn't, he didn't mean to say that. And that was unkind. Please forgive me. And I watched his face and he's like this. And he was like, it's okay, dad. I forgive you. You know what that is? Tree of life. Yeah. Tree of knowledge of a good news. Why did you... Do you see how quickly we say that word? Why did you say that, Dad? Why are you so mean to me? The list, you're, you're meaner and you were kinder. That's the tree of the knowledge. Of but children, that's okay, Dad. I forgive you. And he hugs me and it's all taken care of. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is anytime you trust yourself with God left out. And the tree of life is trusting God In everything and doubting your own understanding and believing God's word and what he's speaking us next the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is conditional love and the tree of life is unconditional love and here's how it's shown and it's so it's so pervasive it's just swimming around us it's just the atmosphere that we have here's how it works I perform to earn God's love for me I perform. I, I do what what do I do? I do the right thing. You can't speak against the right thing. The right thing is the right thing. But when the motivation to do the right thing is for God's love, doing the right thing is the wrong thing. Unconditional love. I live from God's love. Notice the difference? I perform to get God's love versus I've got it and I live from God's love. You see, when the trees were there, they were loved unconditionally. They didn't have to do anything for God to love them until they touched the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and took it into their system. Ask yourself a question. Let's just real be honest. This is church, okay? Can we be honest in church? All right, good. All right, let me ask you something. Will God love you a little bit more, accept you a little bit more, be happier with you a little bit more if you read your Bible daily? If you come to prayer meeting, if you work hard at work, if you give to a homeless woman, will God be more delighted in you? If you pray on your knees, and if you don't cuss, and you don't chew tobacco, will he be more pleased with you? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, yes, he will but the essence of every religion is trying to earn God's love and earn his acceptance through your behavior. I was a Mormon before I became a follower of Jesus. I get to watch some of your faces look at each other. and Now, Mormon people are great people, but the essence of Mormonism is works righteousness and that means if you work more you're more righteous and if you're more righteous you can become worthy and if you become worthy maybe one day you can see god and if you become more worthy the essence of mormonism is you can become a god yeah, right. and then create your own world and do and it plays right into the first lie in the garden he knows that when you eat of it you will know good from evil and be as God. It was the first invitation in all of creation by the devil to become God of your own life. The essence of religion is I am still playing God because I've taken a standard that God hasn't taken and that is if I am better, God will accept me more until he has to accept me and reality, no one is good enough for God to accept. Therefore, Jesus dies and he gives us his righteousness if we trust him alone. Trust him, trust him. If we eat from the tree of life who is Jesus. Jesus said, you must eat my flesh and drink. Drink my blood, my life will be in you and you will be righteous not because of anything you have done but because of everything I have done. You see this coming? Conditional love, unconditional love. The devil's most productive lies we deal with daily but we don't even realize it. I can't spend much time on this but see if this relates to you and the more honest you are the more free you will be at the end of this talk the more honest you are. And and these come from a a book called Search for Significance written years ago. It's profound. You should read it. Here's the first. The performance lie says, I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. Did you know there's a feeling good about yourself if you don't meet any of the standards that's out there? (laughs) My body fat index. I cannot feel good about myself until that comes down. No, the Lord wants to show you that is not correct. The approval lie, I must be approved, accepted by certain others to feel good about myself. Many of us have lived for years and years and years looking for the approval of our parents, looking for the approval of our our, uh, peers, of our spouses, and it goes on and on and on. The blame lie, those who fail, including myself, are unworthy of love and they deserve to be punished. Guess where that comes from? You fail, you get punished, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Only in the kingdom of God, you fail, you get forgiven. Doesn't mean there's not responsibility. Only in the kingdom of God. You blow it, God still loves you. Next, the shame line. I am what I am. I cannot change. I'm hopeless. It reminds me of a story of one of my profs, Dr. Oswald. He had a student who was a straight-A student. And one particular final exam, after grading it, he handed it back to the students for them to review, and this one student came up to his desk, and he handed it to him, and he says, I, I don't think this is correct, and Dr. Roosevelt was like, I mean, he's written commentaries, he's brilliant, he said, why? He said, I'm not this smart. He said, well, I, I beg to differ. I, I think that you excelled, and he said, well, I, I, I really would ask you to reconsider this grade. He said, let's have an appointment. Has an appointment with him, and as he's talking about his story, he realizes he was conceived out of wedlock by a high school junior who already had several scholarships to colleges because she was so brilliant. That ended all of her plans as she started to raise this little boy. He used to go to school where you actually walked to school and would come home for lunch. I remember those days. And he can remember his mom making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And in one particular season of his third grade, he had got less than an A on one of his papers and was ashamed because his mother talked about how important it was to be smart and how important it was to make great grades in order to do well in life. And she had expectations of him. Well, he was ashamed of this and he hid it in his underwear drawer. Now, kids don't realize the underwear doesn't just show up. Mom actually puts it there, and she found the bee, and she immediately crumpled it up, and rather than throwing it away, she put it on the kitchen table, and as he came home to have lunch, she was making the peanut butter and jelly sandwich on the counter, and he was at the table, and she said, I saw your paper. He started to shake, tears started out of his eye, Open it, she said. And he opened it, all crumpled, flattened it out. And then she said this. No son of mine is going to make anything but a perfect grade. And then she started stabbing the peanut butter sandwich. You're like a dumb dog, you dumb dog. And she threw the sandwich off, took his neck, pushed him down, and said, dog, eat off the floor. Dumb dogs, eat off the floor. Eat it. He said, every time I see a grade... I hear my mom's voice. I'm not that smart, you see. I'm just not that smart. All of his love was conditional by his mother. And everyone in this room has a story and online. Stories that inform love. How do you get love? How do you keep in love? And only in the kingdom of God In the love of our God is this lie done away with. The lie is my identity, my worth equals performance and others' opinions of me my identity is what you think of me and your In the kingdom of God, in the tree of life, my identity and worth is unconditional from my Father in heaven, and it's captured in the beautiful statement of Jesus' baptism when the voice came from heaven and God said, you are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. In an earthly sense, Jesus had done nothing And his father in heaven isn't saying throughout all eternity you've done all, he's saying right here in that pool of water, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And God wants to say to each one of you today, You are my beloved daughter, you are my beloved son. If you would have me, you will be more than my creation. I am well pleased with you, I love you. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. You can read your, you can memorize your Bible, you can witness to every person you ever run into, God will not love you one ounce more. He loves you perfectly. He expressed it perfectly. Through the death of his son and his resurrection, he expressed, I love you, and it's settled. I declare this in your life right now. Those of you who are still trying to perform, still trying to be good, still trying to get over the bad things you did, I declare to you, you are loved with an everlasting love that you can never perform. Never perform for. And here's the other side. There's nothing you can do. Nothing, 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 nothing to make God love you less one bit. See, some of you are here and you're trying to make up for it. You can't make up for anything. He won't let you. It's like the prodigal son come. He's got his whole speech. Father, I've sinned. I don't deserve to be quiet, he says. He throws his arms around him and it says he kisses him endlessly like my grandbabies. And then he clothes him. He he treats him as royalty. He doesn't deserve anything. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's completely wrong. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life says it doesn't matter. God's love is perfect. nothing you can do to make God love you more. Stop trying that. Yeah, but I serve early on Sunday. Doesn't matter. You don't gain any more love. His love is so perfect, so perfect. And then when you blow it, his love doesn't change a bit. Unconditional love. No religion, none has unconditional love. Every one of them you have to work to be loved. Only in the kingdom of God does God come to you and you are pre-loved and he loves you for all eternity. That's why our God is God. There's no other God beside our God. Hallelujah. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I try to stay good. Is it wrong to be good? It's not wrong to be good. But when the focus is trying to be good instead of trying to stay close to God, well, you keep talking relationship. What about the rules? The rules are the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The scripture says, therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. God created the law to show you you blew it with that tree so that you'll say, oh, God, have mercy on me and he will just love you. And so on the one side, I try to stay good. I try to... Rather than Penelope, when she walks with me, my granddaughter, all I want her to do, I I don't care if she walks this way or walks this way. I just want her to walk this way. This is how I want her to walk. And so Jesus, of all the things he could say before he dies and is resurrected, he doesn't say, I want you to follow the rules. I've sent a system of rules. He, he, He says this, abide in me and I'll abide in you. I want you to stay in me, and I'm gonna stay in you, and you'll bear much fruit. If you separate from me, you won't bear any fruit that lasts. Nothing important will happen in your life if you've separated. You'll be living out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, listen, everybody. This is the only way to fulfill the impossible calling of the kingdom of God. It's the only way. What's the impossible calling? Oh, this is so profound. Forgive seven times, 70 times. That's impossible. Not if you're not keeping track of all the infractions, but just keeping track of how much God loves you. Therefore, you're going to love them. What about if someone smacks you on the side of your face, give them the other side. What about give your jacket? What about love your your enemies? How can you love your enemies? They are my enemies. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Tree of life. They are made in the image of God. God loves them so much that he gave his life for them and he calls us to do the same for them. It'll change the way you see people in traffic. I can't believe they're breaking the law and they're cutting me off. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil, tree of life. I wonder what's happening in their life. I wonder if they're in an emergency. I wonder if there's someone in need. It always thinks the best. Be angry, but don't sin. It's good to be frustrated about things, but you don't have to sin. Don't be anxious about anything. He has everything under control. Well, what about the war? What about this situation? What about this? Honor those in authority. Watch this, even the president you got to be kidding me. Honor the president. What if I don't like him? Doesn't matter. tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right. I'm to honor him because God says to honor him. And he's going to give me grace in this. You see, all of these things that I just laid out are the impossible calling of God that only he can do. Right. And so if my goal is to stay close to him rather than keeping the rules, then he starts to do these inside of me. It's not about staying right in the middle of the path. It's about staying connected with Jesus. So the whole focus of spending time with him in the morning isn't, how many verses did I read? Did I pray through my prayer list? It's like, God, I just want to be, this is why David says this. David, it's so unfunctional. Psalm 27, this is what I demand more than anything else, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to get the instructions and the strategies that I need to fight these battles and make sure I do things right and cast down my enemies. He doesn't say any of that. He says this, this is what I demand, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple, to enjoy him and to be with him and to follow. Do you see this, everybody, how God designed things to be? Remember Dawson's face? If you blew it, you know what he'd do? He'd forgive you. I'm using him because he lives in the spirit, everybody. This is life in the spirit. Only Jesus can do this. Not staying good, but staying close. I love the Tour de France. It's amazing. You've got this big wad of bikers. They're called the domestiques in the Peloton. And the domestiques mean the servants, and there's a champion on the team and what the domestics are doing, they're getting in front and they're breaking the wind resistance and keeping him fresh or her until that moment when there's the, this sprint and then they move aside and he's fresh because they have broken at least 40 to 80% of his resistance and he can shoot in to the end of the race. You know, I start thinking about this. One time, I was at the lake with my wife, and we were riding our bikes, and uh, she's behind me, and and then I said, "Why don't you ride in front some?" And she said, "Oh no, I, I like it back here." And I said, "No, why, why don't you?" And then she and I realized this is she kept when she was behind me, she kept rubbing my tire. And it's like, I mean, this is like rude, and she, she's doing this, and, and I said, why don't you go in the front? And I realized this, when she's in the front, it was easy, it was easy, because the resist. I didn't have that revelation, and she was like, can I ride in the back now? And I realized that the key to the Christian life is not how hard you pedal, but how you position yourself right behind Jesus and it breaks the, resistance. do you know with an airplane, when that airplane jet, and these jet pilots know this, if you get so close, it breaks the resistance, if you get a little bit closer, there's a wash that pushes you, and you know how close we want to get to Jesus? Right up against him like a vine and a branch, and then he pushes us into life, and you know what you'll discover? When you get close to him and he fills you with your spirit, which is the sap of the vine, what's going to happen is people you don't like, people who have bothered you, you will be around them and you'll feel love. And it's flowing from the tree of life. Because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil keeps a record of what they've done to you. But the tree of the life of life throws away the record and, and the love of God, it says, compels us. Okay, get ready. You ready to be bumped a little bit? Okay. There's a real focus on the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the law. With You know, the law is good. The law is good. Yeah, it's good. Its purpose is to show you you can't keep it. Did you know that? And then once you become a Christian, it becomes an inspiration of different expressions of what it means to love people. It's a law that's good for you. Jesus says, he says, keep the law. You know what the law is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the whole law summed up. But if you just focus on the law as a means of becoming righteous, good boy, God glad. Bad boy, God mad. That's just, that's the law summed up. Versus grace filled, unmerited favor and unconditional love flowing from God. We rarely give grace if we haven't received grace. Did you know that? How do you know that? Because do you know Christians who have to be right? Their theology has to be right. If your theology is wrong, then you're wrong. You know, the only thing I want to be right about is Jesus. That's it. That's it. Just about, because everything else, I, 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 I'm not right, okay? And, and so you know these Christians. They're, they're checking you out. I can't believe you do this. We just lived through two years of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, everybody. You are so wrong because you didn't do this and you did do this and you're not doing this. And the scripture says this in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and following. For it was only through the wonderful grace we believed in him. Nothing we could do ever earns this salvation. It's a gracious gift from God. Now you know that, but do you live it? And so you're not made right by keeping the law. And I realized this, one of the most freeing statements I ever received was this. Because of grace, I have nothing ever, ever, ever to prove and no one ever to impress. Let me say this to you, everybody. You don't have anything to prove. Jesus proved it all for you. He proves he loves you. He proves you're forgiven. He proves you're valuable enough for his blood. And he's already impressed with you. I'm impressed with my grandbabies if they never do anything right. You know why? They're my grandbabies. I'm so impressed with them. Oh, that I could put in you, squeeze into you the love of God in Christ Jesus that is beyond fathoming, that is flowing to you, and it would free you from the habit of eating from, seeing from, hearing from, feeling from, living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And one of the areas where it is most prevalent is you've got to have correct doctrine. If you have correct doctrine minus love, you're making worthless noise. Listen, it says you can have all these miraculous powers, and if you don't have love, it means nothing. The only thing that matters in Galatians is faith expressing itself through love. You know what the devastating end of works righteousness is? Death. Spiritually, Relationally, This happens in so many marriages. Pastor's been talking about flourishing and marriages. And in marriage, is it more important for you to be right or loving? Just keep being right and see what it does to your marriage. In the kingdom of God, here's what some people hear, because what they call it, well, this is greasy grace. It's greasy grace. Responsible grace is you keep the law. It's not true. You can't keep the law. You cannot keep the law. And when you think you have, you're proud and you've just broken the law. And so instead of living in a constant sense of gratitude, which produces the greatest motivation, which is never fear, but love. Instead, we press into works righteousness, never good enough, always feeling guilty. And then some move to deconstructing their faith because it's so demanding and it's very popular right now to deconstruct. Do you know what? I believe no one who has a revelation of grace will ever deconstruct their faith. But even worse than that are people like Tommy, dear eighth grader in our church, whose father finds him in his own bedroom, dad's bedroom, with dad's police service revolver, having shot himself in the head, leaving a written note. I can't measure up, dad. You deserve more than this. I'm such a failure. And the devil's ploy is to take you even further, and take your life. You remember Dennis the Menace? It's good theology here. Dennis the Menace theology. He and Joey are walking down the street. They come near Mrs. Olson's house. and They can smell cookies. They smell them, so they're not afraid. They, they walk right up. They knock on the door, and Mr. Olson, what do you boys want? We just, we just smelled something. And Mrs. Olson from the, who is it, George. It's those those boys, honey. Well, have them come on in. We've got got warm cookies, she says. The two boys are looking at each other. They know how this works. And they go in and they sit up on the counter and she's stuffing them with chocolate chip cookies and ice cold milk and their faces have chocolate and they're so excited and they're just stuffed. They get to the place where they're stuffed. (laughs) They have to go and they're leaving and she says, be sure and come back. they're walking down the street, and in this lucid moment, Joey looks over to Dennis and says, what good thing did we ever do to deserve Mrs. Olson's cookies? And Dennis says, Mrs. Olson didn't give us cookies because we're good. Mrs. Olson gives us cookies because she's good. You see that? Yeah. God loves you so much. I wish I could tell you nothing you ever did or ever will do that can produce that love. The moment you were conceived, he knew about it before you were, and he loved you. It says, every day of your life was written in a book before there was one. It says, his thoughts outnumber the grains of sand on the seashores. His thoughts are always on you. And the pinnacle of his love was when Jesus decided on your behalf to climb up on a tree or actually to be placed on one. The very essence of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that declared you're guilty and he's going to pay for it. He paid for it and he defeated it. He defeated the law once and for all. And he says, now, the only way to be righteous is if you choose to let that life go and believe my love for you, receive my love, and then be willing to live from my love. Now, I'm gonna tell you right at the start, you are gonna blow it over and over again. But he won't. Now, I wanna encourage you to make a choice today and then follow it up when you leave and you see someone who doesn't make as much as you and they have a nicer car. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil will pop up inside of you. When you see someone you see at the gym and you work harder than they do, but they're skinnier than you. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says, who do they think they are? And the spirit of God, if you give yourself to him, will draw you over and say, let me let you see them the way I see them. Let me let you talk to them the way I talk to them. How many of you in this room are sensing right now, I've given my life to Jesus, but I still am tempted with works, righteousness, and in this moment, I want to let it go forever. May I see your hands? I'm still tempted with getting righteous because I've done things. Keep your hand up. Now, Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you break that tendency in me and in us now forever, Lord. And give us a new place in the tree of life where we evaluate everything in a new way and say, "No, I'm loved already. I'm not going that way. You can put your hands down. How many in this room would say this? This is so new to me. I want to trust God and Jesus alone and nothing that I do righteous. And I want to ask that he changes me somehow because I want to be free of guilt and sin and shame and fear. Would you let me choose this. If that's you, would you raise your hand right here? In the room. Let's pray, okay? Those of you who raising your hand, just hold your hand up. You're waving at God, and you just pray along with me. Dear Lord God, I choose your way today. I leave the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I confess I'm guilty by that tree, and I choose Jesus alone, his unconditional love, and I will live from that, and I will love you, change my life forever, I make you Messiah and Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, for this church, I pray, this would be a tree of life church, in Jesus' name. That people would come and they'd be pre-loved and not judged. And then they'd discover the tree of life Jesus and be changed. May their future be radiant, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.